you would please turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13, we are looking at verses 4 through 7, slowly, methodically. We're crawling. (laughs) On our hands and elbows. (laughs) Try that. Uh, Let's have a word of prayer. We'll read the text and we'll try to pick it all back up together again and see where we end up. Father, we come before you because your word is a path or a light unto our paths. Father, help us. Help us to hear your word. Father, help us to live your word. Help us be overwhelmed with your word. For in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Father, I beg you. Give us clarity of heart. The purity of soul to hear, to see to rejoice. And Father, may we who are called by your name walk in a manner worthy of this precious high calling of Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into an account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and in case you didn't get it all, love never fails. I know that's part of eight, but... It'll work. I shared with you last week that love eliminates sin. Love eliminates sin. Here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And therefore you will what? Fulfill the law. Fulfill the law. See, when I don't love, then I'm in violation of God and or my neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Anybody that ain't you is your neighbor. Okay, so when we think about love, we look at this and we think, man, it's patient and kind and jealous, not jealous, it doesn't brag, it's not arrogant. How in the world do you ever do that? You can't. You can't. But you bow before him and say, help me. Okay? And the thing is, I want us to think... In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, we see a contrast between a true son of God, Timothy, and these charlatans, men who are going out trying to make a living preaching. And he says, but the goal of our instruction, Timothy, is love from a pure heart. Love from a pure heart. See, God is love. And if God is to be seen in us, it is going to be when we love. I'm thinking that's an important point. What do you think? I put a little smiley face down here by important point. I'm thinking that's really what I'm trying to get at. How important is it? Well, just quickly, I'm going through the New Testament. The New Testament hammers away at this love thing. Okay, Um, I'll just give you these verses 
Colossians 3.14 says, put on love. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, follow after or pursue love. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 says, abound in love. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1 says, continue in love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 12 says, increase in love. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 8 says, be fervent in your love. Philippians chapter 2 verse 2 says, be committed in your love. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, provoke each other to love. 2 Corinthians 8 8 says, be sincere in love. You see what I'm trying to get out here? I'm seeing a pattern. Aren't you? All right. So when I read the first three verses of chapter 13, it says if you have gifts and they're speaking gifts and you don't use it in love, you're just noisy. If you have gifts of intellect and prophecy and mysteries and knowledge and faith and you can remove mountains and you don't have love, you're a big zero. If you give everything you've got away to feed the poor and you even lay your body down to be a martyr, it is of no profit. I'm thinking that it's important. Okay? See, it's a principle of our life as Christians. It should be the most foundational point of our life. Love is to live. So it's Spirit Zodiati's commentary on 13 is. It is the wholeness for the Christian. I shared with you last week that when I'm in sin, it has spiritual and physical problems. Things happen. Okay, But have you ever seen them healthy Christians, them happy Christians, the positive Christians? Uh, they use the term the glowing Christians. I use the term useful Christians. Is the one who loves. There's no boundary to it. You know, and I hear people say, well, you've got to have boundaries. No, you don't. What was the limit of God's boundary for you? What, what limit did he put on it? He limited his love to what point? All right, so I, I think that I've kind of got, we're back, right? It's sort of, it's great, right? How does it work? How does this love thing work? How, how does it function? That's 4 through 7. All right? Now listen, if you haven't gotten anything out of these last 11, 12, 13 weeks, 14 weeks, whatever, of this text, understand this. Love is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Okay? It's a verb. It's an action. 4 through 7 is the expression of love. It is the expressing the behavior of love. So let me uh, review quick. First, it is patient. Literally means patient with people. Okay? We can be patient with a lot of things. I was working on a bolt the other day on one of the cars. Uh, One bolt. It was just a bolt. Uh, It had broken, and there was a little thing that you could get it out and 
And, and I worked on that bolt for four hours. Became one with that bolt. Um, it was very patient and persevering. Okay? You know, I'm guilty of times being more patient with a bolt than I am people. Okay, of course you just can't walk up to a person and squirt them with WD-40. Well, maybe you can. <laughs> maybe you can. Okay, but love is patient. And it's patient with people. Second, it is kind, but that literally means useful to others. Um, love has the highest principle is to serve other people. It is never jealous. Love is never jealous. It desires only to give. It never desires what other people have. It wants to give to people. Love doesn't brag. Love doesn't shoot its mouth off. Love is not arrogant. The fifth one. Uh, It does not have an inward exaggerated opinion of itself. The sixth facet of love. It never acts selfish in its behavior. Does not act unbecomingly. The seventh is probably the key because it is the opposite of self centeredness. It does not seek its own, it seeks everybody else's betterment. That's what love does. Love is not provoked, it never gets irritated, it never gets upset. The ninth facet of love is that accounting term, same term that's used of our redemption is that it never keeps a record of a wrong suffer. Um, somebody wrote it, and I just quoted it down here. It says, never makes memories out of wrongdoings, unquote. Love never does that. The tenth facet of love, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness. It literally means there's no pleasure in hearing or repeating unrighteousness. Okay? It's never happy when sin is spoken of or repeated. Why? Because sin violates God. Sin violates others. Love doesn't gossip. The 11th facet of love is that it does rejoice in truth. Okay, And that's two tracks there. One is when truth is lived and when truth is taught. And we all say hallelujah. That's through six verses. And it's verse 7, he kind of compiles this. It's an ascending list here. That love bears all things. That love believes all things. That love hopes all things and endures all things. And then right there in verse 8, I like it because he summarizes it and says, Oh, by the way, <laughs> never fails. Never fails. Okay, now I want to jump into this, but I want you to think with me. You're going to have to reason with me here for a little bit because when you see all things, all things, all things, all things, people say all things. Well, it's a hyperbole. You know what a hyperbole is? It's a point for the sake of illustration. It's an exaggeration because love doesn't... The all things is not outside of divine instruction. Okay, um, it, 
All things is limited to biblical boundaries. Okay, all things is limited to Christian discernment, what I call Christian sense. Um, I remember a group that were switching spouses um, that was in a church and they were kind of trading off because they had married wrong. Uh, That's what they were taught. And everybody was rejoicing that God was rectifying all of these situations. All right, and that this is great, and this, God is bearing this, and this is totally awesome what God is doing. And I'm sitting there going, what? All right, see, that, that don't fit. Okay, so what I th- when I read all things, it, it, it's got to come into the divine framework of what God does. All right? So, and these are ascending. And we start there with the 12th facet of love bears all things. All right? Listen, this thing right here is a lot of depth in this uh, and it is tremendous the word bears that you see right there is used in various shades of meanings throughout the new testament but the primary phrase that it is used okay in the new testament are you ready for this to cover with silence to cover with silence. Okay? Um, it is used, some in secular Greek, to suppress. Well, think about it for a second. Because it says that love covers with silence all things. Okay, now listen. It doesn't mean love puts up with anything. That's not what it's saying here. Okay, Um, it doesn't mean that love is pushed around. Okay, but love out of regard and respect and honor have a concern for the value of another person. Does that make sense? Love will do everything that it can to cover up or suppress the sin of that person. Cover it. Okay? Genuine love. Okay, what I'm talking about here, I'm not talking about manufactured love. I'm not talking about what man is. Genuine love is reluctant to drag a scandal in front of anybody. It bears all things. Okay? It's it's not in the sense of, I'll put up with more. That's not what I'm talking about. Right, I'll endure this. That's not what I'm talking about. It will cover over the ugliness of a person's life. Okay, Um, if you're listen, let me show you the negative side of this. Some of you, we've been in a family, right? Some of you have children, and and Matt and Shannon make special note of this because it's coming. Okay, and in what I call the normal depravity of mankind okay depravity means found useless for its intended purpose okay it is man's nature okay in the normal depravity even in the family there is a desire to uncover everybody's evil okay that's the way man is you know don't believe me 
Go to the grocery store. Read the tabloids. Why, why do we have shows that we want to hear about these movie stars and what morons they are? Why? Because, see, they've got it all. But, buddy, they screwed up, too. And it makes us feel better. They've got money. They've got fame. They've got limousines. They've got everything that they want. But, ha, 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 I'm not that bad. See, depravity, man's nature, is always looking to find uh, the proverbial skeletons in the closet. Because it gives us a sense of righteousness, self-righteousness. Okay, now then, I want to take it back to your family. If you've got kids, you know, I do not have to defend this. If you do not have kids, you will learn it when you have children. Okay? Children are born in sin. They don't just wake up one morning and become sinners. They are the single most selfish things that has ever been put on the planet. When that bugger is born, it wants to be fed. It wants to be burped. It wants you to clean up its mess, take a nap, and then I'll start the process again. And I will make your life awful if you do not take care of this. And it's amazing. That something that small can be that horrible. Well, it's true. My kids were colicky. And the only way my children would sleep is if I laid on my back and my children would lay on my chest. They'd sleep. No, I tried all that stuff. You got to do this. Nope. They lay on dad's chest. Everything. They wouldn't lay on mom's. Wouldn't lay in the nursery. They laid on dad's chest. Everything. So dad, for the first eight months of my children's lives, didn't sleep. Okay, and everyone said, well, you just don't understand labor pains. No, <laughs> you don't understand my pains. All right? But that's the way children are. And one of the first manifestations of this sinfulness is what? An eagerness, an eagerness. They want to tell what their brothers or sisters are doing. And you know what? It doesn't matter the age. My children do it now. And I have one that just got married and one is in their 20s and the other is a teenager and they're all running around going, you know what they're doing. You know what I look at them and say? I'm not interested. And then as soon as they leave the room, I go find out what they're doing. (laughs) What are they doing? Okay. But love doesn't do that. Such and such is doing this. I'm not interested. See, depravity is always trying to uncover someone else's. Why? So I can gain an upper hand. Okay? Um, I want a little more self out of this. I want to look good. I want to look righteous in this. Uh, And you know what? And some never, ever grow out of this. They become investigative reporters. (laughs) I'm just going to run around and tattle on everybody. Or what do they call Paparazzis. Whatever. They live lives of tattletaling. Uh, I have dealt with marriages in the past where people want to come and tell me what the other one is or isn't doing. And I can understand now that they do not know the meaning of love. Because, see, love bears all things. Love covers it. Covers it. See, the Corinthians had no understanding of this. I mean, they, they were exposing anybody and everybody. You cross me, I'll take you to court and sue you. 
in a pagan court before a pagan judge, I'll sue you. Hmm. See, love being kind or useful covers the fault, covers the weakness, covers the sin of others. First Peter chapter four, verse eight says, love covers a multitude of sins. It's, it's like love is this big blanket. And it runs around throwing itself over people's faults. It covers it. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Okay? Listen, this is so easy to illustrate. Uh, Have you ever noticed how easily um, you dismiss the faults of those you love? Hmm? Okay, now stop with me for a second here and think. Think of the person that you love the most. And I hope that it ain't you. <laughs> it isn't self. Okay, but if there's, but even if it is you, everybody makes mistakes. But if it's your spouse, your children, whatever, right? How easily we can dismiss their errors, correct? Now then, think about the person that you don't like. That not real long because it'll become a sin. Okay, well, we'll do it this way because I know how we are. Well, just imagine that you didn't like somebody. Okay, in case you just didn't like somebody. How easily do you dismiss theirs? You don't. Not only do you not dismiss their sins, their weaknesses, their frailties, you like to bring light to them. Expose them. See, love dismisses the sins of the one that it loves. And it'll jump on the one that it doesn't love. And it's seen. I've seen it in husband and wife relationship. I've seen it in parent-children relationship. Are you ready? I've seen it in employee-employer relationships. There's not a facet of life that it does not exist in. Now listen, I want you to be careful. I want you to be real careful about that because love will warn, admonish. Okay, that's admonish means to warn. If you keep going down this path, ooh, is what you're headed for. Okay, but love will also exhort and exhort means I'm going to come alongside, point out your flaw, but I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to carry you along so that we can walk together. Love will rebuke. Love will discipline. Love will cover and not expose. Okay. When we think about church discipline out of Matthew's gospel, chapter 18, I think it starts at verse 15. Okay. Maybe 17. When you see that and you read that, it says, if your brother sins against to you, what do you do? Go to them in private. Private. Why? Don't expose it. You don't expose it. You who are spiritual, Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, you who are spiritual see any brother in what? Any trespass. Bear that burden, but be careful. 
And you know what the word bear is? <laughs> Cover in silence. Cover in silence. Interesting thought, isn't it? You know what the best illustration of this anywhere is? The cross. The cross. Did you know that love, because it's bearing this and covering this, has a redemptive quality to it? Listen, God so loved mankind, us. He just hung around in heaven and with the Trinity and said, me and them is nasty people and angels. What do you think about these goofy, nasty, sinful creatures? Is that what he did? Did God so love the world that he's just set up there with an eternal heavenly gossip? You know, they're just all evil. You know what? He was right. They were all evil. You know what his response was? I will go down and cover it. Interesting concept. God is not in the business of exposing sin. Did you know that? Ultimately, he's in the business of covering sin. Not like so many who like to sit around and talk about it. What does he do? He came down. And you know what? He came down and threw his robe over it. A regal royal robe. A robe of royalty. A priestly robe. He bore man's sin in his own body. See, love throws a mantle over sin. It covers it. Because love has a redemptive element to it. Church discipline is not to say, let's kick everybody out of church who's sinning. Church discipline is to take the sinner and restore them to the position in Christ that they have. Because when you do exercise church discipline to its fullness and you set them outside of the body of Christ, how do you treat them? Like a lost person. Well, how do you treat a lost person? You give them the gospel so you can restore them back to the right relationship with God. You cover it. You cover it. Love always is after restoration, always after redemption. Redeem it back. Buy it back. Love wants to buy it back. Come back. Love is not judgmental. Love is not condemning. Love is redeeming. Always redeeming. Now listen, be careful because I want you to understand, I do warn. Because of love, I will warn you. Bridge is out, you keep driving, you're going to miss the road. I'm going to warn you. I'm going to exhort you. I am going to rebuke you at times. I will discipline. But you know what? I want you to do the same. Warn me. Exhort me. If I need to be rebuked, rebuke me. Why? Do it in private. I don't run around and say, all right, this week on the sin board. But I know people who do that. Uh, Pastor, 
I need you to pray about something. And as soon as I hear those words, I'm ready to shut it off. I don't need to pray to If God brought that person into your life, you pray for him, you probably need to deal with it, huh? I don't need to. Do it in private. Did you, have you ever thought about it? Love carried our griefs. Love bore our sorrows. Love was wounded for our transgressions. Love was bruised for our iniquities. Love took our chastening and it was on Him. That's Jesus Christ. That's Isaiah 53. You ever thought about that? He didn't have to do that. Dad, just just make a new one. Burn it. Toast it. See, listen, I, I want you to think about this because when you read this, love bears all things. It's more than just throwing a blanket over it. Uh, I remember as a young man, as a, well, a young man, a kid, uh, my father died uh, when I was 12 years old. And uh, I, I remember just the chaos that was in my home. I mean, I had people, I had relatives there that I hadn't seen in centuries. Okay, and of course, when you're 12, everything's centuries. Okay, you were heartbroken as a kid, all right? You know, you saw what it was doing to your mom and your brother. I mean, and it was all out of your hands. And I remember going into my bedroom and I just wanted to take the blanket and cover it up. And I did that. And I would just cover up with the blanket and it'll all go away. And I'll pull the blanket up and it'll all be gone. And that's what I was trying to do. We got all kinds of afraid. Oh, I was coping. And no, 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 no. I was wanting to cover it. Let me get covered out of this. I don't want no part of this. You guys go on without me. Okay. But love goes beyond the blanket. See, love literally will feel the pain, understands the heartache, the sorrow. Love actually endure the agony and will bear it. Will bear it. Cover it in quietness. When a saint's sin, all right, if you love that person, you will hurt. For that person, you will be in anguish for that person. It will be heartbreaking for you. If it hurts that bad, then why would I want to expose it? Because see, love, true love is redeeming it. It's forgiving it. It's buying it back. So there's a redemptive character to love. When you read this, it bears all things. Do you really understand the depth that he's telling you? It's willing to take, throw a blanket to cover over the sin, to feel the pain of that sin, and it's willing to literally take on the consequences of that sin. Wow. Wow. Let me share something. I want you to just think about this. Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, right? And he's going to come back, right? And by doing that, he's opened the gate for you and I who believe, who are called by his name. And then we're looking for a time when we're going to get a resurrected body, right? I mean, when I was down there working on that uh, bolt, I was ready for a resurrected body. <laughs> I was, all right? 
We'll get a resurrected body. You know what's fascinating about that? We get to heaven and we're all going to be hanging out in our resurrected bodies. They're only perfect. Do you know that there's one body in heaven that bears scars and will for eternity? Do you know that those scars are the consequences of our sin? Love bears all things, even the consequences of that heartache. It's an amazing word, don't you think? He didn't just cover it. He didn't just feel sympathetic for our sin. He bore our sin in his own body. Then he says, follow me. See, genuine love is never quick to exploit or to expose, gloat or condemn. And yet, what do we do? See, genuine love throws a covering. Genuine love carries that burden. Genuine love will even take the blame. Genuine love even accepts the punishment because it bears all things. It's redemptive. It's redemptive. It redeems it. It buys it back. It rescues it. All of those terms define redemption. Quality of love. Love suppresses someone else's sin, covers it up. But there's a sympathy there. It hurts for that person's sin and suffers for someone else if it can. Let me take this punishment. Let me ask you a question. To what extent do you bear the pain of someone else's sin? To what extent do you cover someone else's sin? Do we really cover other people's evil? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, If anyone is caught in any trespass, then here's the phrase, you who are spiritual. Okay, you who are spiritual. You who are walking in maturity. What does it say? Restore. You know what that another phrase for that is? Redeem it. Buy it back. Such a one in the spirit of gentleness, looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted, tested, smoked. (laughs) We want to be spiritual. We want to act mature. We do. I mean, well, unless you're not saved. You're not saved. You don't care. You're thinking, when's the potluck? 
But we all go to church, theoretically, we should be going to church so that we can grow. So we can be more useful, so we can help the saints for the edification of the body so that they will all do what? Serve! Interesting concept. They call it making disciples. No, it's not mentoring. Okay? I hear another person tells me that I'm not going to love no more. (laughs) And I'm going to do it with great joy. (laughs) But it's mentoring. Accountability. No, it's discipleship. Okay? That's what Jesus called it. I like what Jesus called it. Discipleship. As you walk through this life, you are going to run into people who are in sin. How many times have I heard people come to me and want to share with me the sin that they caught somebody in and makes them sound more righteous? Don't get me wrong. We have exercised church discipline in this church. Um, I remember one Sunday, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, uh, I had to take some people with me and went and got a woman out of a man's house. And just knocked on the door. We have a place for you to live and it ain't here. Okay, and I had to take a witness with me. I remember one evening a young man called me and he says, my wife is doing such and such and such and such. And he says, what do you think? I said, don't worry. So I kind of figured out and knew where she was. I knew what she was driving. I went down. Sure enough, there she was with these guys in the bar. I walked in. Hi. Watched all the blood leave her face. Took her home to her husband. I don't have to run around and tell everybody who that is. So why would you guys want to come tell me who it is? You don't have to do it. Why? If you catch it and you see it, deal with it. Why? You who are spiritual do what? Restore them. Do you really believe standing up? I caught such and such and they were doing such and such and that thing. And I think we need to pray for them. You really think that's going to help restore them? How would you feel? You'll restore me. (laughs) My dirty underwear is hanging out on the street. Charles Spurgeon in his lectures to my students said, Should I fall? Should I stumble? Please give me over to the harlots and the barkeeps because they will have more mercy on me. And you know what? We do it. I remember early in my ministry, a guy came up to me and said, Oh, you don't understand. Christians shoot, they're wounded. And we do. Why? Because we have done exactly what the Corinthians does. We've missed love. We're busy being righteous. Well, the Bible says, how can you stumble into that? It's easy. I just woke up and fell out of bed. It's crazy. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? I watch people who are doing exactly what the Corinthians are doing. You've offended me and I'm suing you. If that don't work, uh, we need to exercise church discipline here. We need to call the elders together. For what? Well, stop. I'm not interested. God showed it to you. Deal with it. Why? You who are spiritual. And it's a phrase here because it says anyone caught in any trespass. Well, dude, (laughs) which one would that be? Any? 
Well, we're going to be all walking around doing what? Helping each other walk. See, that, that's what I try to explain to the church. I am not ahead of you. Okay, I am not your spiritual leader. Did you know that? Christ is. I have oversight. That's it. I'm an overseer. You know what that is? You ever seen the, the one cartoon where uh, the, the dog, the old shaggy dog, is sitting up on the hill watching the sheep? While the coyote's trying to get all the sheep to eat? Some of you guys, I don't watch cartoons. Anyway, all right, shame on you. Repent. Okay, that's all I do. I'm the foghorn. That's it. That's it. I don't have, I walk with you shoulder to shoulder. I got nothing on you. Some of you may have more on me than I do. Why? That's the body of Christ. There isn't this flock and here's the shepherd. There is a shepherd. I ain't him. It's Jesus. Who's the head of the church? Matt and I have oversight. That's it. And we don't, you know, we're not even good traffic cops half the time. Stop, park, never mind, turn left. Ah, oh, go on. What are we going to do? But you see what I'm trying to get at? Why? Because love compels me to do what I do. Love says, seek them out. Love says, you stumbled into this and all of a sudden I see you doing something. I'm going to sit there and say, listen, I need to warn you about this. And I've done it. Sometimes successfully. Once. <laughs> yeah, well. But you see what I'm trying to get at? Now then, I want you to think about that for a second. You think, well, that's really cool. All right. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to close with this because I want you to bear all things. What does that mean? Bear all things. What does that mean? I'm going to cover it in silence. I'm going to endure it. I'm going to have a redemptive quality in my love for you. Chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians. Okay, chapter 4, he says, I want you to excel more. First three chapters, he says, you guys are rocking the universe. Verse 12 says, we request of you, brethren. You know who that is, right? That's the church. All right? That you appreciate those who diligently labor among you, have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love. Do you know what that means? You're supposed to love those who have instruction over you in the Lord. Bummer. Okay? Live at peace with one another. Now then, I want you to look at verse 14. Okay? What does it say? We urge you brethren. Who would that be? It doesn't say elders. It doesn't say pastor. It doesn't say chef. It doesn't say grand poobah. It doesn't say pontifus maximus. What does it say? Brethren. What? Admonish who? The unruly. Who is supposed to be admonishing the unruly? The church. What else does it say? Encourage the faint-hearted. The swooners. Encourage them. You know who they are. You've been him. You watch grace and mercy and power of God and you go, whoa, and then on Friday the paycheck doesn't cover it all and you go, oh my God, what are we going to do? And those are the faint-hearted. And you curry, pick him up, come, come, it's all right, he's still worthless, he didn't leave. Help the weak. You know what the weak are, right? That's the moral and the spiritual. They're both covered under that word in the original language. 
There are some people out there who are just morally weak. You ever seen them? They just fall down and you pick them up. Fall down and pick them up. Fall down and pick them up. Fall down and pick them up. Oh, you just don't understand. I know. Pick them up. Okay? You have some who are just weak theologically. They don't understand yet. They haven't gotten there. They may have a whole lot of information. They have very little faith. So you help. What do you do with them? You help them. Who does? The church does. This thing, well, we're going to have a new ministry of counseling. No, you're counselors. Every single one of you. That's the way it was designed. We walk together. It's shoulder to shoulder, not me in front wondering if you're following. Help the weak and be patient with everyone. See that no one repays evil for an evil. Always seek after what is good for one another and for, who does it say? All people. Then we're all going to get together and do what? Rejoice always. We're going to pray without ceasing. And everything we're going to give thanks for. This is the will of God for you. Anybody, everybody wondered what the will of God is for you? It would be everything in front of that. Okay? Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Who does this? The church does. The church does. Now then, you want to be spiritual? You want to be great? All right? Anyone, you see any brother or sister in a trespass, what do you do? Call the pastor. Put it on the chair or prayer chain. No! It's your responsibility. You come alongside and you bear that burden. What? You cover it in silence. You feel that hurt, understanding that you're bringing restoration to that soul. Okay. Who's responsible to do that? I'm out here. I'm on vacation. (laughs) Love bears all things. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that um, You have poured Your love into our hearts by Your Spirit in Romans 5. Father, how overwhelming that is. Father, uh, this isn't man-made. We understand that. And yet, Father, let us bear one another. Let us bear all. Father, let us understand that as we look at that cross of Calvary, we understand that it was love that hung you on that cross. And Father, we are to take up our cross and we are to follow you. Father, overwhelm us with your presence. Overwhelm us with what you do. And Father, may we rejoice in the amazing things that you've already accomplished. And yet, Father, the amazing things that you will continue in. Father, we love you. You first loved us. Father, may we who are gathered here with every breath you grace us fall more and more in love with the saints. Father, with those who do not know you. Father, foremost, you. May we love you with all of our heart, all our soul, all our minds, all of our strength. Christ and Christ the King.